It's like stab, 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 stab. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, there's so much going on. When it comes to Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I automatically turn into a Dr. Seuss character. I'll take him in a moat. I'll take him on a boat. I'll take him on a train. I'll take him on a plane. Anywhere, basically. Because Joseph Gordon-Levitt is a national treasure. This week, we're talking about 7,500 on the Everyman Movie Review. Hey everybody, and thank you for joining me for yet another episode of the Everyman Movie Review. Yes, we are returning to movies, as I have promised over the last few episodes. So, you wanted movies, you're getting movies. Back to the normal schedule of things, and that means, of course, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the people in the movie, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the movie itself, and at the end I'll have my recommendation on whether or not this movie is worth your time, and eventually we'll get back to the point where I can talk about whether it's worth your money, too. Good news out of AMC and Regal, both will be opening their doors very soon. I cannot wait to return to a movie theater. But while we hope for the inevitable future of a movie theater reopening, we are enjoying movies on streaming. And this week's movie, 7500, or 7500, or 7500, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, either way, is available on streaming. I believe I watched it on Amazon. In any event, you'll find a link down below where you two can stream it if it sounds like the movie for you. So as an independent filmmaker, or as someone who thinks of themselves as an independent filmmaker, I love films like 7500 because it was basically done on the smallest imaginable set. The vast majority of this movie is only done in the cockpit of an airplane and in the area just outside the cockpit. And the camera going out into the plane for what it's worth, you see very little even of the rest of the plane. So that really appeals to me as far as writing a script or shooting a script because it's something I could actually do right now if I wanted to. And so that part of it is super interesting to see a big production house with a big star like Joseph Gordon-Levitt do the same kind of film. And maybe it's the restraints of coronavirus that make it more appealing. Obviously, they shot this way before coronavirus is even a concern, but it really is putting in my mind, like, how can I write something? How could we shoot something where everything is enclosed in a small space like an airplane cockpit? But before we get too far into the movie, let's get through the pleasantry, shall we? 7500 was directed by Patrick Volroth. It was written by Patrick Volroth and Sanad Halil Basik. It is starring, of course, in no particular order, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, the national treasure, the man about town, the guy who I'd really like to be friends with, Joseph, if you happen to see this, like, give me a call, man. As Tobias Ellis, Omid Memar as Vera, Aylin Tezel as Tobias's wife, and I was going to attempt to say her name, but it is in Arabic or Turkish. I'm not sure which one specifically. And there's an umlaut, and I am very confused by that. Uh, it's something like Goki or Guki, um, Gokse, Gokse. Maybe it's Gokse. I'm trying to remember from the actual movie itself. It might be Gokse. Carlo Kitzlinger, Muruthan Muslu as Kenan, Paul Wolin as Daniel, and Pasar Harike as Kokan. So small cast, small set, you might think to yourself, small movie, but that could not be further from the truth. 7500 or 7500 or 7500 is called that because that is the code used by Joseph Gordon-Levitt as his plane is hijacked or an attempt at hijacking. So we start out the movie as the passengers are boarding the plane. We see some of the crew there. The flight attendants are welcoming people on and then they welcome the pilot. 
and the pilot comes onto the plane and enters the cockpit, and who is already sitting there but Tobias, ready and waiting for him. They go through some, you know, captain and first officer jargon back and forth, and they're getting the plane ready to depart, but there are a few, you know, regular things that happen at the airport. Uh, the grounds crew checks in, what's our weight, etc., etc., and the first five minutes of this movie are relatively calm, boring almost, and you kind of say to yourself, what's going on here? This seems really humdrum, and I'm not really sure what's going on. But then we find out that there's passengers missing. And of course, I read the synopsis. I know what this is about. And I'm like, oh, so these passengers, that's got to have something to do with it. So we're waiting on the passengers. But then it's just like a couple of people come across, and they're running across the tarmac, and they get on the plane, and it's like, oh, jokes about leaving their baggage in Berlin. And uh, But then they're on their way, and off they go to London. And we see that Michael is a perfectly competent pilot, and Tobias is there, and he has a lot of experience as well, but not with this airline and not with this pilot. So there's a little bit of feeling out between uh, Michael and Tobias about who's going to do what and like how much can they trust each other, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And again, it seems kind of humdrum after the buildup of these passengers that weren't going to make the plane. And then there's a knock at the door, and it's oh, it's drink service and, and food service, and I'm like, here it comes. Nope. We just wait, we wait, we wait. But there's more boring cockpit stuff, and then it seems like all of a sudden everything's happening. And I imagine this is what a real hijacking would feel like. And I think the best part of this movie is by shooting it only in the cockpit uh, and through the eyes of the people in the cockpit, we basically see that as it would happen. Just that kind of crazy excitement followed by a lot of boring downtime and then more crazy excitement and how do we deal with what's going on? It just It's just this up and down of like trying to feel safe and not really feeling safe and you know, how do you deal with the entire situation? And I don't want to wander too far here, uh, so I will offer just a small spoiler section for those of you who really want to know about the details of the heart of the movie. So if you're looking for my recommendation, make sure you come around to the other side, but jump out now because the spoilers are about to start right here. It's the second food and beverage time and it's just like, okay, so they already did this, we know what's happening, but boom! They're in the cockpit. And then like Michael, the pilot gets up and he's like fighting them off. And it's like stab, 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 stab. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, there's so much going on. But then Tobias like makes moves and like gets the guy down and they get the door back shut. And now it's the pilot who is now stabbed and dying and Tobias who is injured and the hijacker who is you know out of it and they strap him up in the side. And I'm just like, Wow, like after 15 minutes of nothing happening, a lot happened very quickly there. And again, I feel like that's just how a hijacking would go. And then the guys on the plane obviously want to get into the cockpit. They don't know what's happened to their guy and they want to fulfill their mission. And I think then the inevitability happens where you're just like, uh, you know, they, they pull the sheet so you can't see further back in the plane and you know something's going on back there and Tobias refuses to open the door and he does the right thing, he calls it in. The 7500, we need to abort and they're trying to direct him to another airport and it's raining and it's like a whole thing. And he's injured, so he's only got one good arm. It's a moment of just reflection and relaxation before it's all winding up again. And you know it's going to wind up again. And of course it does. Then bang, 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 bang. They're on the door. They have a hostage in the back. They're going to kill him unless you open the door. And of course the guy on air traffic control is saying, do not open the door. Tobias is like, yes, I know not to open the door. Like that's the number one thing they teach us at pilot school, which I don't think is the number one thing they taught them, but probably should be high up there now at least. So there's a struggle and... <laughs> passenger dead and he has to live with the fact that that guy died and he could have saved him but one note I've already left out and I feel bad for doing so is that Tobias's wife or his girl his his 
partner is on the plane. She is part of the uh, flight attendant staff. And the next person they bring up, of course, is her. And now he has to deal with that of like, I want to open the door to save her. I can't open the door because I'll lose the plane. Uh, he takes evasive maneuvers and is throwing people around. He sets all the other passengers off. Very Flight 93-like where you, he says, you know, they only have glass. You can take them. And there's a struggle that we don't see because it's off camera behind the curtain. Just a lot of crazy stuff. And it, it just feels like bunked together a bunch of really craziness and then it's calm again. And you're like, all right, so maybe I can relax. Maybe we're getting out of this. No, more craziness. The guy wakes up and he tries to take the plane back. And it's just like at every turn, this movie seemed to catch me by surprise. Just when I thought it was over and I didn't go for the runtime. I didn't like hit pause to see how far I was in. I literally just was like, let me get down and enjoy this and see what happens. And I felt like the movie was wrapping up a couple times and it was like, nope, gotcha. We're still in this. Something bad's still going to happen. All of that being led by Joseph Gordon-Levitt's fantastic performance. I would say he spent maybe 90% of this film time right on screen. And it's usually just him. He's talking to air traffic control off screen. He's talking to fighter pilots off screen. I feel like I'm wandering out of spoilers a little bit. So let's invite everybody back in and we'll talk a little bit about JGL because obviously I'm obsessed with him uh, and get my recommendation. So the spoilers are gonna wrap up right now. So I made the mistake of getting all wound up about just Gordon-Levitt during the spoiler section, and I don't want you all to miss out on that. So essentially what I was saying is he spends 90 to 95% of this movie on screen, and a lot of times he's talking to people off screen, but he is such the central character, and, and obviously he's the central character, he's the protagonist, everything's kind of happening to him and he's trying to react to it, but he is such an amazing actor. And I know that I'm gushing about him. Maybe it's because I haven't watched a lot of movies lately and I just happened to watch a movie with my favorite actor when I came out of my series and Quibi and Peacock and all of those kind of things. And this maybe not, maybe was not the movie to jump in with immediately. Cause again, I said it gush about JGL. But I cannot imagine another person taking this role and doing as well with it as he did. There's something that is just all-American guy about him, even though I don't really think he's playing an American. I think he's playing like an Englishman who lives in Berlin, who's flying to London, and his wife is Turkish, or his, his partner is Turkish. So there's like a lot of complicated stuff there, but he's just such an everyman that you can almost put yourself in that situation and say, what would I do? And when he starts to do something, you're like, no, no, GGL, don't do that. And he just, even though it's just him on screen for most of the movie, he just keeps you there. You are right with him and you just want him to see his way out of it. But I'm not going to tell you what happens. You're going to have to check out the movie if you want to see how 7500 ends. And I know I've been promising you all, obviously, that I want to do more movies. I, I want to get back into it. My time has been at such a premium. Uh, of course, if you've watched previous videos, you know, I'm running for president, so I got the social media that I have to worry about for that, at Rob Cheek for Prez for all of that stuff. I've got my own social media, at Robert and Cheek everywhere. Uh, and of course, I'm trying to keep up my website, robertandcheek.com, where you can find links to everything that I do, including these YouTube videos, the books, all of my projects are all available there. Keeping up on the Everyman Movie Review Socials. You'll find those down below, but that always takes some of my time. And of course, the weekly podcast that I do, the Oh The Anthem podcast with my buddy Corey. And you can find that at ohtheanthem.com and on Anchor and YouTube as well. So with my time at such a premium, I got to make sure I watch good movies. And I knew that I would like this one just because JGL is in it. And if you haven't gotten it by now, I've been gushing about him the whole time. This is definitely a must see if you ask me. Now, if you get bored about movies that are in one spot, if you're squeamish about blood, there is a little bit of blood. Mostly it's it's essentially 
the signs of struggle rather than the violence itself. Like you see the stabbies and you see the red shirt, but it's not like veins are opening up and you see all of that. And at one point there is, you know, being held to someone's throat and we get the insinuation that there was a cutting, but we don't actually see it. So it's not horrible, but obviously there are signs of struggle and signs of uh, being injured with blood on a shirt and such. But if you could get past the single scene, if you can get past the single setting and a little bit of blood and some strong language and also, uh, you know, uh, a little bit, it's a little bit weird. I, I don't know how to feel about seeing Arab and Muslim, uh, Arab people and Muslims from other countries being portrayed as terrorists and hijackers. Uh, I don't know if I said that at the beginning, but the, the, the hijackers are, are uh, Muslims from Germany, some of which are of Arab descent. And I don't know. It, it seems like it's a little in the wheelhouse, but at the same time, you don't want to make it, you know, like uh, Die Hard, where it's all blonde hair, blue eyed guys. So maybe there's not a good place to do that. And if you're going to pick a reason for it, and I will tell you that if, if you stay into the end of the movie, there's a little bit that having them be far from home and far from their families and, you know, being refugees in uh, Germany kind of comes home a little bit and there's a connection and uh, it's not heartwarming. It's actually kind of heart achy, but at the same time, maybe it was worthwhile to do that. I don't know. I just feel some kind of way about seeing that on screen. But if you can get past all of that, and it's such a small and insignificant list, then please do check out 7500. Uh, it's available on streaming. You'll find that link down below. It is worth your time. I think it, it, the runtime is a little less than two hours, and I was riveted the entire time. You will not, not... So thank you for checking out this episode of the Everyman Movie Review. Make sure you check out our full catalog of... Mm. Make sure you check out our full catalog of episodes. I've done some reviews of Quibi shows. I've done some reviews of Apple TV shows and a ton of movies. As I said at the beginning, I'm really stoked about being able to go back to the movies, but there are so many good things coming directly to streaming and I can't wait to bring those to you as well. But until next time, please take care of yourselves and each other. Have a great week, everybody.